Welcome to our 60th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your hosts, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. <laughs> we have been getting swamped with all sorts of love and, and messages. And yeah. 2021's looking to be a pretty good I year. Know. It really is. All right, let's keep our fingers crossed, people. I know. Yeah, we hope your new year is going to be awesome. So far, we want to give a couple of shout outs. The first one, and, and I love, he gave an email to us and, and told me how he found the show and that he listens while he's walking to his dog and everything, which is very cool. Yeah. But he gave a, how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> okay. This is Ian Debrecht. Debrecht? Debrecht. Yep. Ian Thank you so much yeah. for spelling out because he's like, oh, that poor Charlie. <laughs> he, he must have been shot in the head or something. <laughs> well, Ian, thanks for listening to the show. It, it's amazing that you listen to us while walking the dog. Yeah. But just to think that there's somebody out there with a plastic bag following his dog oh, around listening man. to our show. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, if we can make your dog dropping <laughs> pickup day any better, that would be awesome. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, who else do we have? Well, we had a couple. Yeah, Mike Andrew. He's thanking us for the effort we put into the podcast and says it's really cheered him up during the virus lockdown. Oh, I read his uh, thing. He was telling us about another podcast. Tank Nuts with uh, Richard Cutlin, and I think they call him the Chieftain? No. Uh, anyway, uh, if you never listened to other podcasts besides ours, we would be, we. I listened to uh, Richard Cutland, uh Tank Nuts. He he's very very good. I mean, he's no two tankers and a can, <laughs> but he is. He's a very cool guy. He has on wonderful guests, and uh, he does a. There's a bunch of videos out there with him. He he's somebody I look up to uh, in the tank historical groups that we belong to. So if you get a chance, definitely check out uh, Tank Nuts with uh, Richard Cutland. Very very cool. Yeah, that is. And then I wanted to give another shout out to uh, just somebody messages on facebook who's a model builder now i'm a model builder and and when i seen the pictures that this guy gave i'm not a model builder oh man i'm a kid with some glue and and this guy gets down and paints realistic i know uh, puts rust on the tank dirt on the tank it looked when i first saw it i'm like oh what museum is this it wasn't a museum it's his painting in his kitchen yeah and i'm like Lloyd D from Thailand. I'm like, wow, you know, and his last name was easy to spell. Yeah, yeah. D E D E Lloyd D E D. And you're probably still saying it wrong. It's probably Day or something. Oh, probably. <laughs> you know what? If I am saying it wrong, please send me. A, well, you, it just you, goes with the territory here. Well, it goes with Charlie. <laughs> hey, I heard uh, uh, that new book that I bought you for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, what is that about? Uh, Marine Corps tank battles in the Middle East. Now, who wrote that? Oscar E. Gilbert. Pretty good stuff so oh, far. Oh, yeah. It's been pretty good reading and very, very interesting. So we'll go ahead and give this book a shout out. Yeah. Uh, Marine Corps tank battles in the Middle East. And uh, that's by Oscar Gilbert, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you get a chance, check it out. Read it. 
tell us what you think. You know, I, I bought it for Russ, and I told him, when you're done, can I read it? Heck yeah. <laughs> okay, before we get on our episode, and uh, we'll be talking about Cobra King and its history in World War II. Basically, if you don't know Cobra King, it is a uh, E2, uh, Jumbo Sherman, that was the first in Bastogne. Bastogne, yeah. Yeah. Well, Russell's going to tell about it. And the second point is uh, we did get some emails uh, about our previous po- podcast of a possible war between China and India, and they're like, well, it's not fair that you did the Type 99A and didn't talk about India's T90M, uh, the B- Bishma? Bishma. Russell did most of the research on that um i just forwarded what i had like i said we are not going anywhere folks this is what episode 60 and number 60 coming on three years i know so i hate to bring this up we are having some cost with the show we're having to deal with software if you're thinking hey my finances are looking good for 2021 please sponsor us Go to our Patreon. How does somebody find our Patreon? Just go to patreon.com and search for Two Tankers and Cat. Got a cat. Or you can go to our regular website and www.twotankersandcat.com. And over the right-hand side, it's got a link to our Patreon page. Excellent. So we're, we're not begging you for money, but if you enjoy the show. Or if you're still not sure how to get there. Messages on Facebook. Right. You messages on Facebook. We'll send you the link. Yeah. Our, I think our Sherman is, or Stewart is, what, $2? Yeah. A couple bucks a month. <laughs> a couple bad. of bucks a month, yeah. people. Helps a lot. It really does. So, and if you knew the mics and stuff that, you can just imagine. Oh, man. With our new studio and yeah. everything else. But uh, uh, Russell's just spent another what? So, <laughs> anyway. If you want to support us, great. Um, don't feel pressured. And Russell, you only spend what two, three minutes editing? Oh yeah, I wish. It takes usually you more- it takes. Well, usually we record about an hour, a little over an hour for one show, and for every hour we record, it probably takes me about an hour and. 45 minutes or so to So it takes you two hours almost to edit the show. Yeah. So it's very time consuming and one of these days. Charlie's got some, he's still got a lot of ums and ahs and. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay. Let's go ahead and start with the show since I'm getting dogged already. Okay. So I was scrolling through our past episodes and we talked about the M4 Sherman in great detail. We have a bunch of episodes about the M4. Yeah. But we missed kind of an important story. Russ, tell us about it. The 37th Tank Battalion, 4th Armored Division, fought many hard-won battles in France, but Cobra King and its crew earned their place in U.S. Army history during the Battle of the Bulge. One day after Christmas 1944... Cobra King, its nickname, symbolic of the tank corps tradition of naming vehicles with the first letter of their company's designations, and its five-man crew from the 37th Company C led a column of infantry and armor that relieved the encircled soldiers of the 101st Airborne Division at Bastogne, Belgium. On December 24, 2008, just two days shy of the 64th anniversary of its entry into Bastogne, U.S. Army Europe historians announced that the tank's identity and lineage had been confirmed. A German offensive called Watch on the Rhine began December 15, 1944, when the German 5th and 6th Panzer Armies pushed through U.S. lines along the German-Belgium border headed for Antwerp. U.S. forces were pushed westward, but the 101st held fast in Bastogne, surrounded by the enemy. The 4th, part of General George S. Patton's 3rd Army, 
began its 19-hour, 150-mile race to rescue the 101st in Bastogne, December 18th. The Germans continued their attack on the western side of the Bastogne perimeter, December 26th, but the U.S. lines held firm. Now, if you've never seen the Patton movie... Uh, with George T. E. Scott, they come to him and they're like, hey, these guys are being mauled in the 101st. If you guys want to learn a little bit more about this, I tell people Band of Brothers. They were actually in Bastogne and just the misery they were going through and wh- whatever. They, they were, you know, everybody says, oh, well, they just circled them and, and forgot about them. Well, no, they were attacking these guys dead yeah. on. And, and Patton in the movie it is, you know, saying, hey, the commander had been told to surrender, and he said, nuts. (laughs) And he goes, well, that's somebody I've got to save. So he's hauling through snow and freezing, and these guys are in just Shermans, and they're going to go face this big push of the 6th and uh, uh, the other (laughs) army, uh, Panzer Corps. It's going to be a mess. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Russ. Cobra King and its crew began their five-mile Final push into Bastogne through stiff German resistance, according to a January 1945 interview with Captain Stedman Sinai, the division assistant operations officer on the division's association's website. The commanders of the 37th and 53rd Armored Infantry Battalion, Lieutenant Colonels Creighton W. Abrams, Jr., and George L. Jacquees were ordered to make a break for Bastogne, he said. The race to Bastogne, starting from assembly areas north of Arlon, December 22nd, the 4th, three combat commands, similar in size and organization to today's modular brigade combat teams, battled their way to Bastogne. The division sustained heavy losses along the way. While preparing for the next push, Abrams and Jacquees saw the sky filled with cargo planes, dropping ammunition and supplies to the surrounded paratroopers. Abrams suggested they try a dash through the village of Asinios straight into Bastogne. That afternoon, division tankers took the high ground near the village of Clocamont, about five miles southwest of Bastogne, Sinai said. According to his report, the 37th was down to 20 medium tanks and the 53rd was short about 230 men as the two units' C companies set out. Cobra King, bumper number C-6, led the column of tanks and half-tracks with 1st Lieutenant Charles P. Bogus of the 37th Company C in its commander seat. According to reports, U.S. military rained 2,340 shells on enemy positions, tankers, and infantrymen and showered the defending Germans with heavy machine gun fire as the column, in Sinai's words, highballed through Clochamont towards Asinios, the last stop before Bastogne. Thick woods concealed blockhouses defending the road beyond Asenios. Bogus's company had the job of plowing through those defenses without stopping. The companies that followed, supported by the 53rd, would mop up behind them. After the first four U.S. tanks continued north through Asenios, the Germans detonated Teller mines behind them, knocking out a half-track and wounding several infantrymen, Sinai said. So... I wanted to bring up the Abrams because he was in another famous tank called the Thunderbolt. There was like seven different Thunderbolts. But Abrams had a bad habit of getting the mechanics to weld on extra armor. 
I'll try to enclose a picture of the Thunderbolt. Uh, we were going to have to definitely post a picture of the uh, Cobra King, but his Thunderbolt had all this extra welded on armor that it was just crazy. And he's Man. like, that kind of tells you what yeah. he, he was thinking. Sure. And he, it was an easy eight. Yeah. Uh, the Cobra King was what? An assault tank. Uh, the Jumbo. The Germans had these two little towns of Clochamont and Asinios on the secondary road. We were using to get to Bastogne. Beyond Asenios, the road ran up a ridge through the heavy woods. There were a lot of Germans there too, Bogus said in a December 1949 article in European Stars and Stripes. We were going through fast, all guns firing, straight up that road to bust through before they had time to get set. I used the 75mm main gun like it was a machine gun, said Gunner Corporal Milton Dickerman. Loader Private James G. Murphy was plenty busy throwing in shells. We shot 21 rounds in a few minutes, and I don't know how much machine gun stuff. So, <laughs> here's this Cobra King. They've got it out front. Yeah. They're like, okay, you're the assault tank. And you gotta, you gotta know, these guys were like, it's a Sherman... But yeah, it had, oh. the, the Jumbo had an additional four inches of slanted armor, which was basically that of the Tiger. Yeah. But it, it's pushing through yeah. with the 75 millimeter. It doesn't even have the good 76 or, or like the British seven pounder. Yeah. It's using the old 75 and they are just load fire, hey. load fire. Wow. And all these machine gun nests and bunkers, they are just laying it down yeah. just to break through. Good stuff. Keep going. We moved full speed, firing straight ahead with other tanks firing left and right. We weren't supposed to stop on the way either, Bogus said in an interview with StrictlyGI.com during the 40th anniversary commemoration of the battle in 1984. North of Asenios, Bogus and crewman privates Hubert S. Smith, driver, bow machine gunner Harold Hafner, Murphy, and Dickerman approached a team of combat engineers in U.S. uniforms assaulting a pillbox. Bogus, aware of reports of German soldiers masquerading as Americans, called out to the engineers' platoon leader who identified the team as U.S. soldiers. We then came across a large pillbox, which we at once destroyed, Bogus said. There certainly was a lot of confusion since the Germans hadn't expected us to break through via the secondary road. Nevertheless, enemy fire was considerable, and we lost four Shermans on the way. The siege of Bastogne was broken when the Cobra King crew linked up with the 101st Able Company, 326th Airborne Engineer Battalion, at the pillbox about two miles from the town center. At 5.10 p.m., Abrams shook hands with General Anthony McAuliffe, acting commander of the 101st in Bastogne. The road cleared by the column was the only route in or out of Bastogne. That night, dismounted infantrymen continued to clear enemy stragglers in the woods along the road. Asenios was cleared by 8 p.m. December 26th, and by morning the woods on both sides of the road running north from Asenios were secure enough to assure relatively free use. The relief of Bastogne cost the 4th Armored Division about 1,000 men killed and wounded. The 37th lost 5 men with another 22 wounded and 5 missing. 30 soldiers of the 53rd died and 180 were wounded. Company C was down to four tanks. The lead tank, this Cobra King, Abrams tank, the Thunderbolt, and two other tanks is it. That's all that made it. They made the assault, machine gunning, 
shooting, wiping everything out until the infantry could come up and clean out all the stragglers. That in itself is amazing. Oh, yeah, it is. But I want to know, where is the Cobra King now, Russ? After the war, the shell-pitted and gutted Cobra King was recovered from the battlefield and displayed as a symbolic gate guard at Ferris Barracks in Erlangen, Germany, and later Rose Barracks in Vilsack. As army historians slowly investigated the backstories of old World War II tanks remaining in Europe, Army Chaplain Keith Good began to suspect that the anonymous tank rusting at Rose Barracks was Cobra King. In 2008, Army historians concluded that it indeed was. Cobra King had been built at the Fisher Tank Arsenal at Flint, Michigan. Only 254 jumbos were built. Each was given a serial number, and the Army registration numbers assigned to the vehicles were also in sequential order. This allowed Army historians to confirm a direct match with the two sets of numbers and identify Cobra King. Again, here is a tank that was almost lost to history. This thing could have been on the scrapyard, but they're like, oh, just go put it on a display and I'm just hanging out. What sadness is in my heart when I know there are so many tanks that were lost. Oh, I know. And and not preserved. Yeah. We've talked about that and talked about it and we talk about like people that struggle uh, and actually get out there uh people like ed webster uh rob cogan yeah uh craig moore uh francis pullman these guys along with us and we hope you'll get involved too you know strive to save some of this our history you you look at these guys and, and, and the museums uh like bovington some of the other ones that are popping up these guys are struggling to save these tanks yeah you know And it's a shame. In fact, I've said this before. It's a national disgrace of what we've done to our armored history. Especially when you look at, like, former Soviet Union. They kept it. They even kept the German mouse tank. In fact, it was all busted up and blown up and everything. They reassembled it and and took it back and said, we're going to, we're going to keep this, you know? Yeah. That, that's just incredible. Yeah. In July 2009, the United States Army Center of Military History shipped Cobra King from Germany to the Patton Museum at Fort Knox for restoration. Restoration work included the difficult task of finding parts from original sources, such as an original Ford V8 engine and tracks identical to Cobra King's originals. The exterior was restored, but no attempt was made to render the tank drivable or restore the fire or restore the fire-ravaged interior. On August 3rd, 2017, Cobra King was installed at the new National Museum of the United States Army at Fort Belvoir, 20 miles south of Washington, D.C. There's another museum we have to get to. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, if, I've if, been reading about it a little bit. And yeah, it's it's incredible. It's it, huge. If this stupid pandemic would just chill out and, and we could start planning our trip. Yeah. My daughter lives in Maryland. And me and Russ have always said we can camp out at my daughter's house and then go hit everything from there. Yeah. You know, and that would save a ton of money. Oh, man. Uh, of course, she's there with her <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> and he, I shouldn't dog on him. He, he seems like a really nice guy. I've yet to meet him. <laughs> but that's my daughter's fault. Yeah. I blame her. Yeah. And uh, I but mean, we, we've got this U.S. Army Museum south of Washington, D.C. Also want to go to the museum in Danville, Virginia, southern and, Virginia. Yep. It's another huge one. And the the new uh, museum up there by Boston. Yeah, yeah. 
So there's quite a few tanks to see on the East Coast. And there's a couple of ships I want to see. Yeah, exactly. We always hit the hit the big ships that are so been saved. We get up there. Uh, we're hoping to plan our super trip 2021 and do the East Coast. Yeah, we've done the Central of yeah. Mid America and yep. uh, Texas and everything else. The only thing we really have to do is. The far west coast yeah. and the east coast, yeah. and we can knock out the east coast, and we can do some amazing video, and we can do some really good interviews up yeah. there. Let's try and have a good 2021. Oh, man, I hope it's a lot different than this year was. Uh, me and Russ are going to start planning on our super trip 2021, which will be the east coast uh, this year, and we're going to hit uh, Gettysburg. Yeah, because uh, that's pretty close. Oh yeah. If you're not familiar with Gettysburg. Please look up the Battle of Gettysburg. It was the American Civil War. Not one of our brightest (laughs) history, but, you know, uh, tremendous battle. Oh, yeah. I guess we go ahead and go to our second point now. Man. Uh, Again, this is, we had done an episode. We'd got a few messages says, hey, it's not fair. You need to give information on the T90 uh, Indian variation. And that's what brings us to our second point. This Indian T90M Basham. Tell us a little little bit about this Indian variation, Russell. India's foray into more advanced Russian tank design focuses on tailoring a Russian design to Indian requirements in a simple, domestically manufactured parts acquisition process. Improvement in armor and targeting give the Bishma an edge. Back in the early 2000s, India bought several hundred T-90 tanks from Russia and has since grown a formidable collection of actually quite capable armor. The Russian T-90s, while quite capable on their own, actually just plain tough, were a strategic decision for India. India fields a fairly extensive fleet of domestically built T-72s, these T-72s share a number of components in common with the T-90 platform, possibly as high as 60%, which would, in theory, simplify logistics and repairs. India's T-90M Bhishma, named after a character in Mahabharata epic, actually sports a French-built th- thermal sights and Russian Kotak 5 explosive reactive armor. ERA. When, we, when you hear us say ERA, uh, we're not... We're not going to mess you up. It's explosive reactive armor. Okay, so when you hear us saying ERA, that's what it is. Uh, If you don't know what ERA is, we are going to do an armored uh, thing, but we suggest that you jump online and just Google it. Yeah. We are going to do an armored episode. but. Right now, we are swamped with tanks. Oh, man. We have that, uh, I think it was Ian or somebody that wanted us to do the Sturm tank. Yeah. Tiger tank. Sturm Tiger, yeah. I'm like, well, Uh, I know. It's on the list. It is. (laughs) We've got a lot on the list, folks, but we're not going to run out. I promise. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. Its turret also has domestically developed composite armor, a mixture of ceramic and other laminates, which may offer better protection than the stock T90S the Russian export model. Although India fields a domestically designed and manufactured tank, the Arjun, the platform has been set back by production delays, which spurred purchases of the T-90. There are advantages to the T-90 platform, domestically produced or not. One of the T-90 variants, the T-90MS, is reportedly ideal for the cold, harsh conditions of Ladakha, Sakim, and Arunchal Pradesh, 
in far north and eastern regions. Now, that's from our last episode, the rooftop of the world. Yeah. We're talking about elevations about 15,000 feet. In contrast, the native Arjun thrives on Indian plains, which can be extremely hot and is reportedly a challenge for the T-90s, presumably due to overheating. Most recently, the Indian Ministry of Defense awarded a contract worth $2.8 billion U.S. dollars to a domestic manufacturer to build 464 license-built T-90S tanks for the Indian Army. Now, these are these tanks that are going to be operating at the high altitude. Domestic production of a signature goal of India's defense industry, which despite importing much foreign tech, strives for at least domestic assembly, if not complete homegrown manufacturing. Still, Russian-derived technology is heavily integrated into India's armored corps. An expert with the diplomat reported that Russia delivered the first T-90S main battle tanks to India in January 2004. There are currently around 1,000 to 1,100 T-90 main battle tanks of both the MS and Bhishma S variants in service, although the operational readiness rate of the tanks remain unclear. According to one estimate, 850 to 900 are of the T-90S Bhishma variant. Of the two, the T-90 MS main battle tank is the more advanced design. There was even speculation in Russian state-owned media channels that India has shown an interest in Russia's newest tank design, the T-14 Armada, either as an import, a domestically built licensed copy, or simply as a model on which to base yet another homegrown tank platform. If this is more than just a rumor, remains to be seen. What is sure is that Russian armor in India's inventories likely won't disappear anytime soon. The smartest thing the Indian army could do now is buy a domestically built licensed copy of the t14 armada um we've done an episode on that yeah if you don't know what we're talking about go back it was a really good episode we fell in love with this tank um there's a lot of things that we can imagine these t90s are going to be up against like the t15 light armored tank that's up there and these t99a variants yeah and i know they're going with quantity why china's going with quality if there's one thing that we've learned about tank battles in world war ii the Germans had superior tank technologies. And we were kicking out tons of Shermans. The Soviets were kicking out tons of T-34s. And we just ran over them yeah. with, a, with, sure. with our stuff. But that was then. Their history books but reflect, like you're reading this Marine yeah. tank battles in the Middle East. The M1 Abrams were eating up these Soviet T-90s and 72s and stuff like that. If they go head to head, they're in a lot of trouble. These T-99As can fire in the middle of a storm. And if they're saying, oh, well, they got laser rangefinder, the Chinese have a laser dazzler. And and you're talking about long-range, mountainous fights, you know, behind boulders and everything. That gun has GPS and it's accurate. These T-90s can't push through these mountain roads. They're going to be locked up and you get two, three four tanks like the t-99a on a mountain road and you got to curve and dodge and go all around buddy you're in a world of trouble could you imagine if they got the t-14 frame and cleaned it up with some french optics or like the british gps systems or or let some corporate german 
tank engineers in, in that thing. What I'm saying, T-14 Armada is a great tank. But if you, and India is friendly with these kind of countries, you get the French to do the optics and you let these corporate German guys get in there and give them some upgrades, that Type 99A would be in a world of hurt. Oh, yeah, it would. Talking of which, do you think Vladimir Putin will ever give us one of those so we can give it to the Boeing? Boy, head? I don't know. Uh, again, if you know mm. Mr. Putin, yeah. could you just tell him to listen to our show? Yeah, and yeah. Mr. Putin, if you're listening. We'll yeah. even give him our direct line. So yeah, can, yeah, 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 yeah. We would be more than happy to come over to your country, shake your hand. Man. I'll even hug you if you want me to hug hey, you. Hey. you. know, you know you're, you're cool in my book. If you can give us a T-14 tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bovington, um, I'm sure, would meet us at the front doors with Craig Moore and yeah. say, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not going to take this. No, no, of course they would say, yeah, we'll take it. A U.S. $1.4 billion purchase of 354 new T-90MS tanks for six tank regiments for the China border was approved in 2012, which would take the total number of T-90 tanks in the Indian Army's inventory to 2011. And with a total of nearly 4,500 tanks, T-90 and variants, T-72 and Arjun main battle tanks, and active service, the world's third largest operator of tanks. Now India's got all these tanks. And now they're the third largest, America being number one. I'm still saying, you've got a bunch of patchwork tanks, and they've been able to use them in the past. We talked about the Indian-Pakistan War. And with the tanks that they've got, they do have an awesome armored army. If Pakistan made a blunder and pushed into Kashmir again like they did in 65, they'd be running into these tanks and it would be a mess. I just don't know if it would be effective against the Type 99. That T-14 with, you know, Western European and American technology shoved into it. Good Lord, you're talking about a great tank. India plans to have 21 tank regiments of T-90s by 2020. And with 45 combat tanks and 17 training and replacement tanks per regiment for 62 total. On September 17, 2013, India's Defense Ministry approved the production of 235 T-90M tanks under Russian license for $1 billion. On November 11, 2019, India announced that Heavy Vehicles Factory will produce 464 T-90S main battle tanks. Great, but... That goes back to our second episode. You and I both know that if you're taking billions, and these are actual reports we've researched. We're not pulling this out of our hat. This is what India's spending just on tanks. Yeah. We're not talking about aircraft. We're not talking about guns, uh, grenades, everything else. And, and they're building this new superhighway that we've talked about up up there. It looks like there could be a bad fight. And, and if that starts, it, it'd be a nightmare. As, as people that made a career of trying to keep the peace, at no point do we want this to happen. Uh, my suggestion is they just chill out. But if this does escalate, you know, they're throwing gas on it. Yeah. And, and China's not... A panda bear you want to kick because it'll bite you. You know, if you don't think the Chinese can't fight, Man. they they fought everybody. They fought themselves. They fought the Japanese. They fought the Russians. You know, uh, they have 
fought. They're not afraid of a fight. No. And they'll send millions of troops. Look what they did in Korea. You know, they said, well, that China wasn't really involved in the Korean <laughs> War. It was mo- mostly volunteers <laughs> in North Korea. Give it a break. Those guys were banging on gongs and, oh, and charging wow. with like two rifles. Our, our machine gun and our 50 calibers were burning down. We haven't done a really good North Cor- uh, Korean War no. tank battle in a while. Yeah, yeah, you know what? We'll do that. Yeah. Because uh, there is one that I remember. They sent a bunch of T-34 85s against our patents and it, it was a massacre, but Man. they kept coming. You know, India's no pushover. I'm not saying that, and we're not trying to get political. Uh, we love India. Dealt with the Indian students at the college with the Chinese. They're great people, wonderful people. But that's a that's a fight. We, if the, they want to do, so I don't think. I know. I think the well, U.S. I, I think if India thinks that the U.S. would jump in on that, mm. I don't think so. Be rough, especially with you know the new elections yeah. and everything. I, I don't think. The current politics is going to get involved yeah. in, a, in a big Chinese-Indian fight. Western Europe just can't, it really can't. You know, they'll do the great diplomats and peacemaking, but the actual combat at 15,000 mm. feet and those guys charging each other, it's going to be, it'll be horrible. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I hate to think about it. Scary episode, but uh, uh, learn about the Cobra King and the Thunderbolt. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, pretty neat stuff. Um, we hope we gave you uh, something to think about. We hope you well, actually, like we always want you to do, crack a book, even a newspaper. Read oh, up man. on some of these stories because there's going to be a ton of listeners that are going, what are you talking about? Yeah. They're not building up. We're telling you. I know. Remember, you heard it here first. It's going on. China and India are getting ready, what it looks like to us, for a pretty big tank fight. Yeah. If that escalates, it would be horrible. Yeah. Um, let's give out some uh, shout outs. Who's our first Patreon shout out? Yeah, we want to give a shout out to Kim and Eric Shear. They've been with us for a little while now. And- oh, can't forget Riley. And of yep. course, our little friend Jacob. Jacob, yep. Razbaz. Still got Evan. He's with us still. And Antonio Bernarda. And Slam Jamington. Alejandro Martinez. Bjorn Ben. Mad, mad oh, shout man. out to him. Yeah. Odius Theron. He's been a. Long time guy has it been at the Stewart level. I know he even hey. through this 2020 and all the uh, economic stuff. Yeah, yeah, he is stuck by us. Really do appreciate it. And, and of course, Rick Schmidt. Rick, <laughs> he's the man. man. He's the man. Uh, if you're wanting to join our Patreon, we've talked about this before. We really do need your support right now. We've the show's getting bigger and bigger. Um, we're worldwide now. Yeah. Uh, our Google stats, our Spotify stats are through the roof. We're talking up 300%. So, yeah. And, and if you're a company or a museum or something that wants to sponsor us, yeah. If you're an author, uh, we we give out shout-outs. Oh, yeah. Um, Oscar Gilbert. Yeah. The book you're reading now. We yep. gave him a shout-out. Sure. We, he, he didn't send us a dime. I uh, know. In fact, we had to buy his book, <laughs> the South a- African uh, uh, military book. Yeah, was sent to us. Sure, yeah. and they took care of that. Oh, and of course, yeah. you know, Craig Moore's oh, yeah. bit the bullet and oh, basically donated books oh, to I us. Know. I know he spent at least a couple hundred bucks on us. Yeah, really is appreciated, no I doubt. Mean, it's it's, and we do we read the heck out of history books, military history books, armor books. Yeah, 
because everybody goes, where are you getting your facts? Oh, man. I'm like. There's a lot of facts out there, folks. Just got to know where to find them. Oh, would you believe it? That Craig Moore actually spent, <laughs> you know, half his life at this, you know, uh, military oh, archives and wow. digging it up yeah. just for us to, you know, like. Hey, Greg, thanks for doing all the research for us. Like I said, uh, great episode. I'm looking forward to episode 61. Yep. Um, that's going to be kind of controversial, too. We had talked about it. Charlie they, leads a controversial life. Well, so. <laughs> you know, we had we had a couple of messages about the Indian Pakistan yeah. uh, AMX-13. And I had said that was the biggest tank war after World War II. And we had some of our uh, Arab friends... Uh, messaged me personally, and uh, they said, listen, have you ever heard about the Six-Day War? And I'm like, well, I'm familiar with it, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. He goes, do you know the Arab side lost about 600 tanks? And I'm like, okay, we got to do a story on that. (laughs) But, you know, that's still a lot of fresh wounds and stuff like that. Anytime you talk about the Middle East, you got to be real careful. I know. So we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be talking about some other stuff. Yeah. And uh, we keep getting comments about that M4 uh, with the AMX-13's yes. roof, the M4 FT or FL-10 or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll tell you what we know about that. And something else I want to put out there for any of you folks and historians, listeners, if you know anybody that would be interested that's been a tank Driver, driver, commander, commander, anything to do with military tanks, let us know, especially if they're interested in maybe doing an interview. We are getting really close to to coming up with a couple ideas on on how we're going to handle all that. I I really would like to talk to like one of the Jordanian tankers uh, in that six day war or one of the other clashes. Yeah. Uh, But I would even talk to. Just a plain old oh, hey. uh, Abrams driver. Yeah. Hey. So. Yeah. But if anybody knows anybody out there that would talk, email to us. us, Facebook messages, anything, and we will definitely get in touch with them because it's getting really close to what we where we're going to start looking for folks to interview. Yeah, because 2021 is going to be a big year for yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, we're even hoping to get some advertising dollars from some of these companies. Yeah. <laughs> If World of Tanks would get off their buttons oh, and sponsor us. I know. We, we always. Just Longest a, running tank podcast and still uh, haven't heard anything out of them yet. So. Literally the know. world's number one podcast. Even compared to, you know, Tank Nuts and these guys, they're known around Western Europe and, and stuff. Yeah. We're still the biggest. Tank. I know. You are the reason, the yes, listener. Yes. Thank you. So Get the, the word out there. Word of mouth is great. Share awesome. us. Awesome advertising, word of mouth. No doubt. Great episode. Yes. This is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy taking and have a great week.